We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Roots Podcast. This episode 34 of the pod, the sweetness edition. We're referring to this one, Matthew. Joined now by Matt Rooney. Matt, we got plenty to talk about this week. Uh, get caught up on some locks of the week. We know we skipped out on our uh, our faithful betters last week, like people been riding us. Um, but uh, yeah, plenty to get to. A lot going on on uh, at the Madhouse on Madison. Some some positivity uh, on both sides on the ice and the hardwood. Uh, bears being the Bears, Cubs and Sox starting to heat up a, a little off season movement and. Uh, we got a couple segments, a little little Christmas theme coming at you this way on a Tuesday rendition of the pod. Matt, I can promise you I am uh, stationed back in Lincoln, so no uh, no worries of, uh, of flights getting called out in my ear well, during, uh, uh, during this week's podcast. Unfortunately, the inconvenience might lie on my end this week. Got some construction going on outside, and there has been a generator okay. going here and there. So, so this is this okay. week's my week. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to own it. It's on me, but we're going to... So, uh, so audio, audio, not really the strong suit here, and never has doing, been. Never when you're doing a pod, <laughs> when you're doing a podcast, uh, you hope that that we're dealing with some top tier audio. Nonetheless, we appreciate you guys for, for tuning in and uh, sticking with us through our through our strife. But uh, let's jump right into it, Matt. We haven't talked much about the Bulls on this podcast, but they are the prevailing headline in Chicago right now. Six straight games, looking like they're blowing a tank, but playing well. What the hell's going on? You know it. It's weird because you're liking to see the young pieces that they've moved for, like playing mm-hmm. well, looking like they should. But you don't want to—you didn't want to see it happening this early and this quickly. I think, mm-hmm. and I don't know what got into Nico Miritich, but it, maybe this is hopefully just kind of that one stretch he goes on every year in March where he like plays like an MVP for two weeks and then goes back to being terrible. But he's putting up something like 20 points a game. Bobby Portis is throwing in like 15 or so off the bench. Chris Dunn is averaging close to a double-double over this winning streak. Uh, Markinen has been not great but getting better. So young pieces are actually starting to play really well. They got, they've caught some teams at the right times, like Boston was playing without Kyrie. They're blowing it, Joe. They're blowing yeah, it. I, the, the, I, but the, the thing that this team needs still is that one superstar, like to get them back to the point where they can kind of compete in a weaker Eastern Conference would be a superstar they get with one of the top two picks in the draft. And I'm terrified they're starting to play their way out of that. Yeah, but even the first few picks of the draft, you're probably going pretty young, and it's going to be at least a half a decade before that person emerges as a superstar. There's no game-ready superstars, I don't think, coming out in the draft. Even even your top pick, even if you get the one, who's the one this year? I think, Mar- I, I think Marvin Bagley is. Mar- Marvin I think Bagley. You, you get Marvin Bagley. I think you got maybe not be a superstar right away, but yeah. I also think it's less than... I'm not. I'm not saying they draft that superstar and he's ready to come in. I'm talking about they get that guy with superstar potential, and that is their future. You know, go to whatever guy. I've said it before. It's the NBA. You don't draft championships. You go buy them. That's essentially how things work these days. Because even if you have one superstar, you're not going to win a championship with one title. So I, I hear we're starting to get a little bit of a we got a, we got a, a hammer going little, on out there. Little hammering, little pipe construction. All right, well, we're we're going to play through. Uh, not a problem here on the Moose nice podcast, but uh, yeah, th- these six wins have come directly on the return of Miritich from his broken face. Um, but I, I don't think you, I, you talk about it being too early in the season to see this. I think this is the right time. We're going to see this team regress back to what they actually are. I think this is the right time for a little spurt, maybe keep fans interested, get a couple more uh, seats sold at the UC uh, for these Bulls games, I hope you're right, but it, they just—they're starting to look like a fairly solid and capable basketball team, like they had done kind of at times in the past without Jimmy. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when Jimmy would go down, and they'd still have that definitely no star, but the depth to keep them in games, keep them hanging around. And I think we even touched on this a little bit before the season started. We were both a little bit worried that they were going to be just a little bit too good to keep themselves out of that top three or four pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're still looking at a 9-20 and basketball team with a sub-500 record at home. So, again, I think this team's identity, I think their ceiling is still quite low, and they're just playing some good basketball right now, riding a hot streak, 
because there is no star power. There is oh, don't don't tell Nico Miritich that, Joe. You, you, you are, see his uh, quotes after the games; he will tell you he is an MVP candidate and absolutely mean it. Good, and you need guys out on the court playing with that sort of attitude, whether or not it's true. That's a whole different conversation. But if you don't have confident pieces to the puzzle right now, then you're still building from the ground floor. If you have a couple pieces, maybe you can add to that and become a contender again. But if you don't have any semblance of confidence, then you're really working from behind I also think the pace. what might be nice about this streak, too, is you have a guy like Nico who's going off, and they can't, uh, they, he's just signed that extension, so the NBA has the rule, you know, you can't trade at somebody for 50 mm-hmm. or whatever, however many days. I don't remember exactly what it is. I think it's sometime in January, and they can finally move him. So I think you're hoping a guy like Nico Meritich stays hot till that point, and then they can move him to a team that's actually a contender. They, they hope a guy like Robin Lopez keeps putting up, you know, 13 and 8 a game, so they can trade him to a team that needs a big man. So you get these guys playing well now. You move them, maybe even get a first-round pick for both of them. They granted they would. wouldn't be lottery picks. They'd be mid to late-round picks. But still, a rebuilding team would like as yeah. many of those they could possibly get. I think people are getting a little high on, uh, on Nico these last few weeks um, just with his return and the way he's been playing, the way he's been shooting from the field. Uh, our guy, Mark Schanowski, even uh, I saw a tweet yesterday where uh, Nico and Larry Bird's name were in the same tweet, and it, it kind of infuriated me. But, uh, see, uh, I see. I, I saw that, too, and my, I worked enough with, with Mark over the last year to know Mark is referring to how Nico's talking about himself in the locker room. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, I know, I know Ski's, uh, Ski's basketball knowledge goes uh, – there's more in his pinky than there is in, in your and I entire bodies combined, so uh, – We'll, we'll give the pass on that one. I just didn't like to see it. That's all. That's fair. I, <laughs> I can I can respect where you're coming coming from, but I can also I can defend my guy Mark Shanowski and say he in no way believes any shape or form that is close to a comparison. <laughs> Perfect. Just, just checking in on that one. Uh, I got you. It's it's not only the Bulls that have seen uh, recent success on Madison Street. Uh, the Blackhawks playing like the Blackhawks. We know Matt. I know I've. Uh, constantly been asking you to gauge the panic meter see where we're at and you've been continually telling me to just stay the course and relax because this is a team that's going to start playing good hockey and we've seen it over the last few weeks patrick kane or over this last week patrick kane's exploded for i want to say five points in the last four goals and uh, because he was named the nhl's first star of the week i think i I saw the number was he had four goals two assists or something over the last week i think was probably three games so six points in the last week, and anytime Patrick goes, this team goes. We've seen that no matter what line he's playing on, who he's playing with. Uh, I know you're going to get into Corey Crawford, break him down a little bit later in the pod, but uh, what are you liking from the Hawks this past week that has led them to, is it five straight, Matt? Five straight wins now, um, all since Corey Crawford's return. I won't get into mm-hmm. that too much yet, but uh, I think it was the last, I don't remember if it was a week or two, week or two ago whenever I did this last, but there was, they were in that losing streak, and I kind of said I'm not too worried because they're still possessing the puck, they're still getting a lot of shots, they're not being outskated by teams, their stars just weren't quite playing like stars yet, mm-hmm. and now you're seeing Patrick Kane start to play like a star. I think Brandon Saad has scored in the last, you know, he, he, he had a goal in, you know last week in one of those three games. Jonathan Taves isn't playing great yet, but I still think he's close he's on the doorstep but mainly Patrick Kane has started to be Patrick Kane again and that's exactly what I told you once these stars start to play like stars these young kids the the core the not the core players but the players you know the uh back not backup I can't think secondary players whatever you want to call them you're complimentary complimentary, that's the word you're much more of a wordsmith than I am Joe thank you uh they're 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 they've been playing well pretty much all year I think they've found they're they're all getting comfortable in that lineup they've kind of found their line combinations now for the next month couple weeks Mm -hmm. until they lose two in a row and then they'll get changed up but that's not a big deal happens every year but stars are playing like stars the kids are playing as well as we thought they're hope they might and you're starting to see a couple new wave core guys starting to emerge, and I think that's huge for this franchise because it's not just complimentary guys, young kids playing nice. It's you're seeing guys like Nick Schmaltz, Alex DeBrink, and Gustav Forsling start to make their stamp as kind of the next wave of core, which is something this franchise kind of desperately needed for the last three or four years because they've tried to you know make Kane and Taves the young kids on the roster and put older pieces around them, and then that really hasn't worked. So it's this five-game winning streak this year has been nice and twofold because they've kind of changed their style of play. They're starting to play faster. They're starting to play with more possession, but they're also starting to get young kids along and start to set up for the next wave of the future. So when Patrick Kane's 37, he doesn't have to be carrying the team anymore. 
Yeah, and that, that's a good point, Matt. And not only from a hockey standpoint, but the, the Blackhawks have done such a good job over the last decade of marketing this team and marketing the core and marketing those names. And it is time that they start putting these other names in front. We're always going to have a high regard for Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane, Patrick Sharp, Duncan Keith, uh, Seabrook, Crawford. These guys are in rare air. They're going to float in Chicago for the rest of their lives, but it's time that we start pushing these other names forward so there isn't a drop-off in casual fan interest once, you know, I hate to say it, but once the Kane-Taze era comes to an end because we're not terribly far off from that. Yeah, I mean, it's... I I mean, obviously, they're still under contract for, you know, four or five, whatever more years, but we're getting Mm -hmm. to the point where, especially Jonathan Taves, I love Jonathan Taves, he's going to play here as long as he wants to, but he is, sooner rather than later, not going to be the number one center that he was that, you know, won this team three Stanley Cups. They're going to need to find guys to replace that, and he's going to still play a role on this team for as long as he wants to, but it's probably not going to be the role that we envisioned him or the one that he's going to want to play. Patrick Kane, I still think, is going to be a first-line right-wing for mm-hmm. second line right wing, whatever you want to call it, for as long as he pretty much wants to. Um, but you, it, like you said, it's it's very important that they start to have these next wave of marketable guys, young guys who can actually carry them on the ice, start to show up because that's something we've actually been missing uh, for a long time. And Alex DeBrinket was a guy they, they was a pick they didn't have. They went out and traded for. That uh, believe that was part of the Andrew Shaw trade where they traded away his rights to Montreal. Gustav Forsling was a guy that they traded for, I think, three or four years ago. It wasn't even a guy they drafted. They traded uh, a kid named Adam Clendenning, who was thought to be like one of the next up-and-coming like solid Blackhawks defensemen. was kind of shocked everybody when they moved him. And you got to credit Stan Bowen for kind of going out and getting creative with a team where he's moved a lot of draft picks, he's moved a lot of his younger pieces, but he's gone out and found ways to get these young players from, you know, find means to acquire these young players, these next pieces yeah. of the core. Yeah, it, there's definitely been a push for the future. The Blackhawks now sitting at 17-11-5 after winning five straight. Uh, 39 points right now, but just to give you an idea of how packed this Western Conference is, they are, they are seven points clear of second-to-last place in the West, and they are seven points from first place in the West. So it's currently a bottleneck, and they're going to have to continue mm-hmm. to play a lot of good hockey if they... Uh, because you could go one direction or yeah, the other in very a very easily. quick span. Uh, the nice in, thing in this Western Conference. The nice thing I saw too. I mean, their their winning streak before this. I forgot who they were playing. I know Buffalo was on there. Arizona was on there. So it's not like they're mm-hmm. playing a lot of world beaters. But their last two wins are against Winnipeg, who is their third in the Central right now. They're having a great year. Um, yeah. Then they beat Five Minnesota. The West. They beat Minnesota, who was at the time the number one seed in the wild card. The Hawks have since jumped them with that win, but. They started beating, you know, some pretty good teams, and not only that, they they dominated some pretty good teams. They played Winnipeg yeah. on on Thursday night, I think it was, who is a very fast but also physical team, which are the types of teams that have always given the Hawks problems in the past. And the Hawks went up there and just kind of kicked the crap out of them, which we one hadn't place, really seen from them in a while. Yeah, one place where the Hawks really could use to get better right now is the power play. I'm looking at the numbers right now, and it's, they're uh, it's been they're ranking 29th. They're scoring on 14.2% of their power plays right now, Matt. I I haven't had a chance. I've only watched the Hawks probably start to finish four or five times this year. But what are you seeing or not seeing from the power play that needs to change? You know, I I will say over this five-game win streak that you haven't seen the results yet. But Mm -hmm. uh, Q kind of front-loaded the top power play. He has Kane, Taves, and Nisimov up there, and then Keith and Seabrook on the back end. Um, And... Since he's kind of made those changes to the power play during this winning streak, the team has the power play has looked a lot better. You haven't seen the results yet, but they're possessing the puck a lot more. They're getting a lot more shots. They're just kind of not getting the bounces right now, which mm-hmm. eventually you start to think those are going to come. And eventually, this team's doing what they're doing now. They have 39 points, you know, first in the wild card with the league's second or third worst power play, whatever the hell it is. So if that even yeah. gets up to, you know, top. You know, top two thirds in the NHL. Yeah. I think you're going to see a couple more wins come out of that too. But the one thing that this team is always truly because the the power play isn't just a this year thing. Sure, it's it looks bad this year, but it's always kind of been like. If you remember in 2013 when they were playing the Bruins in the finals, people were just like almost saying, "Let's just give up the two minutes when we get the power play because we can't even keep the puck in the zone." Yeah, the one it's thing never been team, the strong suit of this uh, this guard. The one thing this team has never really had 
for on a long-term basis, been a true uh, quarterback of the power play, a guy to play at the top of the point and kind of set everything up, get everybody involved. They had that mm-hmm. in Ryan Campbell for a little while in 20, 2010, 2011, worked out pretty well for him there. Tried to bring it back in Ryan Campbell last year. That, that didn't work out too well. Um, yes. and, and they had that for a temporary time in 2015 when Brad Richards was here for one year. And I, I think that is a, a huge key for this power play because Q always tries, try, tries, tries to kind of shoehorn Duncan Keith into that role. Mm-hmm. And as good as Duncan Keith is on the back end and is an offensive-type defenseman, he's not that distributor up top. He's more of a roam-the-middle kind of guy and, and distribute whatever from there. Um, that, that's yeah. the one thing. If there's a guy out there like that, a, a guy who can play top six forward minutes, who can also play up top, that's the guy I'd be targeting. I haven't done my research yet on, on who's available. I'll do that at some point. Um, another guy who I'd like to see get that opportunity is Nick Schmaltz. Uh, I, I, he's a great passer. He can skate. He can move up there. Uh, and he's he's done it before in in juniors, in college, in the world junior tournaments. I've seen him up there quarterback the power play. So I think that's a role that I, or a, a move that I might try and make just to see what happens because he's done mm-hmm. it before. He's had some proven success granted not at the NHL level, but we'll see what happens there. And then Patrick Sharp used to be one of those guys they used to throw up there, but he's He's been somewhat of a, a massive disappointment so far this year, but again, he was only an eight hundred thousand dollar cap hit, so who cares? Yeah, it was a it was a flyer that wasn't going to sink the ship. So, yeah. and uh, it's like you said, if if they can have this sort of success or this middle of the road success without the power play clicking on any cylinder, then once it starts clicking, I think, like you said, that could lead to a couple more wins and be the difference. In yeah, every maybe- time the Hawks have won the Cup, it's because they've had a power play that's been acceptable. Serviceable. Yeah, and they've had yeah. a great penalty kill. Yeah, and, and they've, uh, they've dominated in possession. And, and not to be cliche, but with how tight the Western Conference is, that power play could be the difference between being a six seed or a three seed. At no, this it, point. it absolutely could. Yeah. All right, Matt. Well, it's December, and we hate to do it because it's been so bad lately, but uh, let's talk a little Bears football. Let's do it, Joe. I, I did not wait. have to. I only had to subject myself to about uh, 20 minutes of this Bears game on Saturday because I was down in Kansas City covering Nebraska volleyball, capturing their fifth national title, Actually, second and second in three Before we get years. into this, can you tell me a little bit about that? Because I was, I was watching your tweets and all that stuff. Not about like, the turn, but. What was it like kind of being on the floor for a national championship? That it was unbelievable. been a pretty it cool was event. Because you're not intro... the biggest of volleyball fans. I know that. But like, I can no, tell but from I your Twitter up... feed, you were getting pretty excited. It was, it was pretty cool. I grew up watching volleyball. I grew up at tournaments. It was kind of a coming-of-age story, if you will. My older sister, uh, she played club volleyball. So I spent a lot of Saturdays, Sundays at, um, at tournaments, you know, just, I don't know, not so much watching the game, but watching volleyball, if yeah. you will. But, yeah, uh, I gotcha. Uh, the the Husker volleyball team is one of the hallmarks right now of uh, of this entire athletic department. They're they've won three in the last two years, and I believe, or pardon, three in the last two years, two in the last three years, and three in the last six years. So oh, wow. they're always they've been to three straight Final Fours. They're they're what Penn State was about a decade ago, and that rivalry is great because they beat Penn State in the semifinal and. There's some bad blood between the two coaches there, Russ Rose at Penn State and John Cook, who got inducted into the Volleyball Hall of Fame this past weekend as well. So um, it was it was a lot of fun because the NCAA, as much flack as they get on all levels, they know how to put on a show. It was it was a spectacle. It, was it looked 19, like a pretty packed house there for me. It was 19,000 at the Sprint Center. It was capacity both nights. Where, where is the Sprint Center? Uh, this is Kansas City was the final four this week. So you had some good uh, right barbecue across, down there. Across, we had some great barbecue. I was down there Wednesday to Saturday and Wednesday to Sunday. Pardon me. Got stuffed my face with barbecue. Love this. Love this. Love the city. I did not love the city of Kansas City. It was a great time, and the the Sprint Center is right across the street from Power, Power and Light District. So we uh, we had some cold ones to celebrate. It, it was a great time, and uh, the Huskers get to hang another banner. Um, congratulations to the whole team, but uh, yeah, before the before the finals started there on Saturday, I uh, snuck over to the Power and Light and watched uh, the first quarter and a half of the Bears game, and uh, it did not look good, Matt. I was going to say, let's, let's transition from a team that just hung a banner to a team so, that yeah, hang one for a very long time. It was uh, it was a welcome uh, release from them to be able to go over there and watch a national title. Uh, but uh, Joe, I got a question gotta, for you about I gotta this hand Bears it game. before. Before we move to the Bears game, too, I got to hand it to Husker Nation for coming out in, in droves. Both the semifinal match and the final match uh, of the nineteen thousand, I have to say that 
16 of them were wearing red. So well, that's going to be a Nation, pretty easy trip from, from Lincoln yeah, to Kansas City, right? It was very similar to two years ago. It was in Omaha. So okay. there have been some easy trips. It was a three-hour drive to Kansas City, only an hour to Omaha. So it's been some home matchups for, for the Huskers, and they definitely use it to their advantage. But go ahead. Shoot with your Bears question, man. So you, you played football for a long time, right? And at, granted, well, I'm told. They, if, you, if, if you're <laughs> coaching a team, you're running an offense, uh-huh. all right? And you, one week ago, have your top two running backs go for 35 total carries, 227 total yards. Mm-hmm. And then your next week, you're going up against one of the league's worst rushing defenses. Would you give them more than 12 carries? Would you, would you think Would you think you'd try to establish the run a little bit on the ground there, Joe? Yeah, most likely. Because and, and the Bears went from 35 for Cohen and Howard went for 35 from 35 carries for 227 to rushing yards to 12 carries for 38. What's worrisome about that too, Matt, is they're almost playing against common sense. In in games they're trying past, to, they're trying to surprise people. They're trying to get creative. They're trying to be the smartest guys in the room. I don't know if it's because they're getting fired and they want to be like, "Hey, let's show other teams that I can be smart." No, yeah. just do what got you here. It yeah. worked. Like, I know. I know. Mitch threw the ball well last week, but he threw thirty-two times. Yeah, and right. it was it, it, in some games in early on in the season. You wanted to see him throw thirty-two times. You didn't get to see that. And now, when you're going against a run defense that's as abysmal as the Lions, and you don't run the football, I'm really interested to see. And I hate to say this, but I'm really interested to see this game against the Browns this week because I think it'll it'll tell you a lot about where this Bears team is at, where this coaching staff is at, and. I think they're a lot closer to the Browns than we think. I, I, I'm still – maybe I'm insane. I don't know, Joe. But I've, I've seen this team compete so well against some really good football teams this year to know that the talent level isn't as far off as we'd like to think it is. Yeah. I, I um, really do think that the, the way they're being coached, the way they're being prepared, and possibly the way they're following those coaches – I don't know. Some of this is on the players too. But the way that they're being led is just so – abysmally bad yeah. because we've seen them beat the Panthers. We've seen them beat the Steelers who look like the best team in football. Yeah. I don't know who it was, but someone this week, uh, I believe it was an ESPN writer, put out a piece that uh, the Bears having those pieces in place could be a worst to first like the Rams were last year, but I don't know how realistic that is. You got to assume they're going to lose to the Vikings in the season ender, and that'll be the first time. That'll be the first time, I believe, since the 60s that they don't have a division win. They will mm-hmm. have gotten swept by the division, which is unacceptable. And it, it, you could see a team going worse to first, but I don't think after that sort of performance against the division. I just, I, I that's why I, I did, because you bring up that Rams article, that Rams comparison, I really do think that is, that's not too far out of the realm of possibility. They have to go get their Sean McVay. They can't swing and miss on their head coaching hire and their coordinators. Mm-hmm. That's 100% sure. But the way we've seen it, with the, with the exception of the Eagles, pretty much every time they've played a good team this year, they've been right there in the thick of things and they've competed. They'll, they almost beat Minnesota at home on Monday night in Mitch's debut. They almost they were a play away from beating the Falcons with Mike Glennon at quarterback. Yeah. They were it's, a field uh, goal away from tying the Lions and going to overtime. They were right there with the Saints. They, they can play with good teams. They have a talent level. They just have to – Ryan Pace has to go out in the offseason and find somebody for Mitch Trubisky to throw to. Dontrell Inman's fine. Kendall Wright is fine as you you know three and four receivers, but you need to go out and get a one or a two. I don't know if that's Calvin Ridley in the draft or getting creative and finding somebody else to bring in here, but they need to go ahead and do that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's unfortunate because they have the opportunity to ruin our Christmases here but they lost to the Browns, and I, I can see it happening. I, I, it's it's just unfortunate that we've come to this point where that's a that's a reality. My uh, my brother and I have actually flirted with the idea of going to the game. Well, that's just <laughs> what awful a better idea. way to, to spend your time at noon on Christmas Eve, Joe. Yeah, do you think there? Do you think there's gonna be some open seats? I uh, think there's gonna be some maybe open. maybe a couple. Uh, there's a lot of sick Chicago. Think a lot of Chinese stadium. <laughs> We'd be one of them. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. I guess so, Matt. Well, I've, that's that's plenty of bears for me today. I, I will uh, say hey, before we switch off the topic, I do want to say I know he threw three interceptions. I mm-hmm. actually thought Trubisky looked. He didn't take a step forward from Cincinnati because in the Cincinnati game he was as efficient as he's ever been, and I thought that was the best game of his career. I thought yeah. he actually played pretty darn well against Detroit. The one interception in the end zone was inexcusable. 
and that that one I I won't let slide. But the other two were not bad interceptions. One was with miscommunication and kind of somebody went the wrong way and ended up right in the, the DB's hands. And the other one, he overthrew Kendall Wright just a little bit. Kendall Wright didn't even make an effort on the ball and it went right into Denny was Darius Slay's arms. Yeah, I actually and, thought in, in the second half when they were let, when they were playing from behind, I think it was twenty to three, thirteen three, whatever it was. He was actually dropping back. He was making some pretty big throws. He was very accurate, even on the run in the pocket. He wasn't bailing out of the pocket when the blitz came, like he had in the past. And he was making some big time throws that we hadn't seen made in a Bears uniform in a long time. Yeah, I've I've said it before, and I'm sure I'll say it again. But uh, it's crucial that you get the right people around this kid because yes. he is showing signs of being, I don't know if the term franchise quarterback is thrown around, but being a long-term option for the Chicago Bears. Yes, yeah, uh, I, I guess that's that's the one positive takeaway from this season. That and the defense. The defense has played well. They kept them in that game again, and uh, it's um, it's not it's not terribly far off, but the execution is so far off. That's, that's, I guess that, that's that, I'll give that's you that my, 100%. That's my main feeling with the Bears right now, and that's uh, that's my last feeling with the Bears for at least a week here. Until they ruin my Christmas, I'll give you uh, a Matt, live report. I'll give you a live report next Tuesday after uh, please, after, after please. debut at Soldier Field. Please don't, please don't. <laughs> okay. Unless you're unless you're singing Bear Down while walking through the tunnel. Maybe uh, I will. Matt Cubs socks. Uh, it's, it's the off season, but they're starting to get the wheels turning here. Cubs in on the Darvish conversation. Socks in a bit of a holding paddle with the Machado conversation. Uh, let's just touch on this one real quick. Who do you think? What do you think is more likely, Machado to the Sox, Darvish to the Cubs, or do they both get done? Uh, I would say Darvish to the Cubs is probably more likely. Um, mm-hmm. Machado, I, I I don't know what the Orioles' price is, but it sounds like it's way too high. And then it was originally said, you know, they wanted Kopech or Giolito. No, and then the, that's, the Sox immediately came out and said Kopech's not involved. Yeah. And then Kid looks like a next, linebacker. Yeah, next rumor <laughs> came out and said, you know, Giolito's not involved either. So I don't know how real these rumors are. But if the Orioles know they're going to lose him, they, I, I think maybe not now, but more so at the deadline, they might be inclined to move him somewhere not in New York because <laughs> they don't want to see him in pinstripes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I've said this a couple times. I don't think the Sox are going to trade for him. I think this is part of Rick Hahn's year-long courtship of Manny Machado, trying to get him you know, in the idea in his head of this is a place to play, this could be a place that you can – be for a long time, be part mm-hmm. of a very young core, all that kind of stuff. And I just think this is a part of his long, you know, what I, what I said, courtship of the be- one of the two best free agents in baseball next summer. Yeah, yeah. I, I Darvish to the uh, Cubs, though, it, it, it doesn't – it's weird for me because they're, he's the same age as Arietta, probably going to command the same type of contract, maybe a little yeah. bit less. So why wouldn't you just go bring back Jake? Yeah. Maybe it's the maybe the years are different. They don't want to deal with Scott Boris. I don't I don't know. Yeah, that's a that's a good point there, Matt. Because I think the the comfortability, the familiarity of Jake Arrieta and similar shelf lifes. Why not go with the guy that you know that your city loves? That's given you guys champ a championship. And you've seen what he's done in big games in the playoffs too, compared Young. to what you Darvish did in the biggest start of his life. He blew up. He, Laid an egg and I think cost himself a few million. Maybe yeah. that's why the Cubs can are thinking they can get him on. Get the him team. a little bit discounted, maybe less, yeah. a couple less years, maybe three yeah. years instead of the five that Jake's probably going to get. Who knows? I don't know. But that just that that, that struck me as a little bit, a little bit of a head scratcher. Yeah, you gotta you gotta think that uh, Theo and Jed are looking at this from all angles as well. So I uh, wouldn't be surprised if they pull a rabbit out of the hat here and uh, make us look like the fools that we are, Matthew. Yeah, it usually does happen. <laughs> All right. Well, last week, uh, I think in our fit of um, of airplane flight confusion, whatever whatever was going on on the podcast yesterday or last week, pardon me, uh, we forgot to give you guys a lock, and I know it probably cost you guys a bunch of money not, yeah. not getting a lock of the week. For I totally would have went with the Lions over the Bears. So uh, yeah, I yeah. Well Matt was going to do that, and I was going to do uh, you know the other one that that. Hit. So, oh, that uh, one. Yeah, I remember yeah, that the, one. You know, that one. Yeah. So we're going to hit you with a lock of the week this week. Uh, just to catch you up, we also didn't give you our uh, our results from two weeks ago. I won, Matt lost, so I currently have a one-game lead on Matt. And here's how things are going to go down. We're going to give you a lock of the week this week. 
And then next week, po- next week's podcast is going to be our Moose and Runes podcast pick 'em special. We are going to pick all six New Year's six bowls. Those will be our final locks of the week. We'll continue to give um, locks if, of the if week. If we need, a, if we're, if we need the tiebreaker, we can go to the national championship game. Tiebreaker, we do a live Skype or a Facebook live rock paper scissors, and uh, that, that's how we figure it out. That'll get some but, views. Uh, there is, a, there is a round of golf on the line to remind everyone what's at stake here. I currently have a one-pick lead, so I either go into the postseason, if you will, the New Year's Six with a two-pick lead or tied up or a one-pick lead. That, that, that's the current situation. But next, week, next week's podcast will be predominantly a college football pick em special. Uh, that's going to come at you the day after Christmas. So hopefully your, uh, your bellies are full and your feet are up while you listen to that one. Uh, Matt, why don't you hit people with your lock for this week? Uh, I am going to take the Detroit Lions on the road at Cincinnati. I know the, the Lions close at Green Bay, I believe it is, so this seems like the, they'll, they'll get another win here, keep their hopes alive, only to blow up epically in Green Bay in Week 17. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the Bengals are terrible. They lost to the Bears 33-7, to which we know how hard that is to do. They've been outscored 67-14, to I think it is, the last two weeks. Lions are playing pretty well. That offense can can really move the ball when they're clicking on all cylinders. So I will take the Detroit Lions minus five at Cincinnati. Book it. All right. Um, I like it. I'm going to go with the boys laying five at home against the Seahawks. My reasoning for this, Cowboys have everything in the world to play for. Zeke's going to come back this week. Uh, Jason Garrett saying not sure how we're going to use him. We're going to see some Ezekiel Elliott this week. That's that's one oh, thing yeah. that's for sure. And uh, the Seahawks just completely struggled. Bobby Wagner playing with uh, a terrible, terrible hamstring, apparently. Um, you got a couple other guys digged hey, up on that Hey, don't put your defense. name in his mouth, Joe. All right, whatever. Um, we got, we, you got a couple guys banged up on that Seahawks defense on the road. They're not looking like themselves right now. They also have a lot to play for there in that NFC. So it should be a great game, but I think the Cowboys do come out of there with a, a touchdown or two wins. So I got the Cowboys laying five at home Christmas Eve. I believe that's the evening game at uh, 325. I think so that the be effort you see from the Seahawks in that game will tell you a lot about where their franchise is at. Yeah. After getting absolutely shelled by the Rams, we'll touch on that a little bit later and buy or sell. But after getting shelled by the Rams, kind of getting showed up, as banged up as they are, we'll see if they kind of not, not necessarily go out and win, but have enough to make Sunday a competitive game and kind of try and make one more push towards winning that last playoff spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it'll show a lot. And I think uh, you can also tell a lot by how hard Pete Carroll chooses gum. So that's, yeah. keep an eye on that as well. Also, speaking of uh, playoff spots and, and trying to reach them, we don't have to worry about the Green Bay Packers reaching that last playoff spot, do we? Yes. Which, uh, Thank I- God. If Rodgers was playing hurt, shelf him. I know we talked about this last yeah, week. Yeah, I don't know why you'd play him again. They're, they're, he looked they're, great. He looked like Aaron Rodgers, but uh, that's just that's just what that guy does. Uh, more power to him for going out there and, and playing uh, probably pretty dinged up still. So, uh, But let's not give the Packers too much credit here on the Moose and Roots podcast. Uh, yeah, Matt, stink. you mind if I jump into a little grievance here? Hit it. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind, because I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, uh, this is pretty predictable, and I know it's been the hot topic for the last... uh, I mean, for the last couple of years, uh, we continue to see issues with what is a catch, what isn't a catch. But I'm tired of people saying, I don't know what a catch is. We do know what a catch is now. That wasn't a catch in that Pittsburgh Steelers game. By the current rule, that wasn't a catch. Is the current rule terribly flawed? Absolutely. But we do know what a catch is. And that wasn't a catch. It didn't look like a catch. That ball moved. My issue is, once a receiver catches the ball and establishes possession in the field of play, what deciphers, what's the difference between him and a running back? Because a running back is allowed to jump over the goal line, stretch the ball out, and once it crosses the plane, that ball can get knocked out of his hand. What's the difference between a ball carrier who catches the pass or is handed the ball? You kind of have contrasting rules here in the NFL that a receiver has to damn near take the ball home with them and a running back has to just cross the plane. Once that receiver establishes himself in the field of play, how is he not the same as a running back? 
I think that rule needs to be changed. I, I know I'm not in the minority here. I know a lot of people, mo- the majority of people agree with me that that rule needs to be changed to make it congruent with simply being a ball carrier because too many times we're seeing big games decided by these very fringe calls. And I don't think it has anything to do with the Patriots getting calls and being homers because I think this rule would have been applied the same way on the other side of the, on the, other side of the coin. We've now seen a NFC championship or a divisional round decided by it. We've seen a game with high implications in the AFC this past week decided by it, and it needs to change because you have contrasting rules and the board, whoever makes these type of decisions, needs to change this as soon as possible. Yeah, that's uh, you touched on a little bit. I'm glad you did the the whole running backs. You know, all you need to do is break the plane with the ball before it's a touchdown and all that. And I, at some point, you got to bring common sense into it. You can't. It sounds like a double standard to me. And I know Jesse James's catch wasn't as egregiously, you know, bad as Des. I know Des took like three steps with the ball before going yeah. to the ground. But at the same time, when I, I know they, they're using this term. Two now, the steps, the ball, you become a ball exactly. the, the one they're throwing around now is, you know, survive the ground. What I think yeah. that's what they're calling it. You have to survive Which, the ground. With, okay, so what? Well, these what, are arbitrary terms. When like, do you, you – there's honestly, I just think they're making them up as they go. Yeah. Um, but you, you hit it on the head. That is the right interpretation of the rule. It's the rule that's crap. Yeah. Um, shout out to shout out to Gene Steratore for busting out the the note card there, and I then having that. the that was a moment, the that biggest smile, contained smirk <laughs> on his face. I don't know if you saw it too. I oh, I thought that, that was hilarious. One of the Cowboys' offensive line came up and gave him like a little backhanded little, pat on yeah, the ass, smack on the butt. Yeah, that was that was good stuff. But uh, uh, but like when when does that ball carrier be or that you know, receiver become a ball carrier because you saw it. it, it Once he takes I don't know his if, pads off after the game. I don't know if you saw the game. The if you saw the Panthers, you didn't see the Panthers Packers game, did you? Or highlights of it. The uh, Packers were, yes. Packers were moving the ball 31, 24 and they hit, I think it was Randall Cobb over the middle on a slant. He uh, took, I think, was took, it Adams who no, fumbled the ball? No, Adams was very concussed at that time, I believe. Okay. Because of the uh, – did you see the Thomas Davis hit? We can get into that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well. The suspension hit. Yeah, yes, people say that. <laughs> talk about bad year for, for Devontae Adams. Yeah. Um, but, no, uh, you know, I think it was Cobb might not have been, but whatever, turned up field and, you know, took two steps, and it was about as bang-bang close to whether, you know, it was a football move and ball mm-hmm. knocked out or an incomplete pass. And they ruled that a complete pass with a fumble. And he and had the ball and made as much of a football move as Jesse James did. Why – is it not? But why, why is one a fumble and one an incomplete pass? I don't really get it. I'm, I'm happy the way because, things worked out in the Packers game. Yeah, I'm not sure that I, was the right call. If you want to call this the way, what what makes the ground such a big deal? Why if I yeah, possess why you the have ball to, for three steps and then I go to the ground and it moves a little bit? Not even yeah. that much. Why does that change things? Yeah, I, I think we're completely on the same page here, Matt, and I agree with you. Um, these rules have to start having some sort of congruency some sort of parallels whether or not you're going to the ground whether or not you're at the 10 yard line or at the goal line i think there's just a lot of gray area right now that the nfl needs to get figured out this offseason and not only get figured out but get referees and players on the same page so it doesn't take us four years to figure out what's a catch Mm -hmm. again i I I totally agree there's too much at stake for the for there to be this much gray area now, I will say this call ended up, you know, it was a, a massive call and, and certainly shifted the outcome of that game. Could but decide the AFC. It No, what decided the AFC was Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers being confused on what they were doing with 10 seconds bad. left. And then instead of throwing the ball away or throwing a fade, he throws it high and over the middle into triple coverage. That's what yeah. decided the game. Did you hear Ben after the game? He said yeah, he's he was, basically, well, I thought it was going to be a spike. It. And then they were yeah, saying in the helmet, don't it. spike it. So I, I I'm not sure how much I buy of any of that, but that should just tell you the communication was just so off there, and that's part of what makes the Patriots the Patriots, is they were prepared for every possible situation, yep. whereas Pittsburgh clearly wasn't, and it cost them. They, they very well could have still spiked the ball, threw a fade, whatever, kicked the field goal, gone to overtime, maybe even get the ball, and I'm not sure the Patriots are going to stop Big Ben in, the, or in, in overtime with the ball at home. Yeah. Matt- so that, that's what cost them this game. Uh, I, I'm still gonna watch. You know, a lot of people get I'm mad. Watch say, oh, every game, single, every game, single second. The game's of every unwatchable. Single game. This and that, and um, it's gonna be an exciting December and January. Uh, it it always is coming down the stretch, and Absolutely. I'm sure we'll see the Patriots. I'm sure we'll, we'll see the Steelers. I'm sure we'll see all of the current cast and characters, but we'll see some new faces too. And with that said, Matt. 
let's jump into a little buy or sell. Let's do it. All right. Uh, I, I texted you one this morning. We touched mm-hmm. on it a little bit, but buy or sell now, now, Joe, after that blowout win in Seattle, the, a, the NFC West is now the Rams division, no longer Seattle's. I'm going to buy it in the short term. For the long term, you can't uh, you can't count the Seahawks out. They've kind of had some peaks and troughs over the last few years, but they continue to come back to this competitive state. And uh, having the support that they do and, and such a home field advantage, you can never really count Seattle out of this conversation. Um, Arizona looks like they've regressed a little bit. Who knows what San Francisco could be with Jimmy Garoppolo if you put some pieces around him. He's looked outstanding. Another game-winning drive yesterday, or Sunday, pardon me, and uh, Robbie Gold kicking a game-winner. You know, that always breaks your heart uh, because we've talked about it many times in the past, but uh, should have been a bear for, let's not, a bear go for let's life. Let's not go back to that. Okay. We're moving on. We digress off. Are you, Joe? Are you? I really, I really like the Rams, and I think this is their division. I think that their offense is so explosive between this renaissance in golf, and I know it's tough to call it a renaissance in a two-year span, but from how bad he was last year to the growth he's seen this year, um, Todd Gurley looks like he could conceivably be the best back in the league mm-hmm. right now and, and could be for the next few years. Um, shelf lives of running backs are so short that you know if Todd Gurley, something happens to him, then you could immediately be playing from behind. But right now, I'm going to buy it. I think this is the Rams division, and it, they're really fun to watch. They are a football team that is clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, I'm going to buy that too, uh, but I think it's more – you kind of touched on it. The Seahawks, I don't think are by any means like you know dead or Gone, done. Yeah. As long as number three is behind center for them, I think they're going to have a yeah. chance in any game they play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't think they're necessarily going to fall to the bottom or whatever. I just think you're going to kind of see the NFC West go back to what it used to be back when you know Harbaugh was in San Francisco and uh, the, the, the Cardinals were playing really well with Carson Palmer, I just think you're going to see a very good football division. I think yeah, the Rams are going to win the majority of those divisions, but I think San Francisco, they're probably going to have another top, you know, whatever, five pick. I think Garoppolo is probably playing them out of the top three at this point, but they're mm-hmm. going to have another great pick. They're going to get another guy in there. They're going to win some games next year. Seattle's going to be fine. Arizona's probably the team that's more so on the downside going back to what they used to be. Uh, yeah. But I think you're going to see three very good teams in that division, just a lot more competition than we've seen in the past. But uh, I'm with you. I think it's I think it's the Rams division now to lose going into the next couple of years. And, Matt, it's the NFL. So wouldn't be surprised if the Rams come out and win five games next year. Anything could happen. I don't think <laughs> I'd be surprised. Worst to first, first to worst. It all makes sense at this point in the NFL. Matt, I'm going to hit you with one here. Uh, we, we talked about it a little bit, but uh, buy or sell. The Bulls play themselves out of the lottery this season. I'm going to sell that. Um, okay. I don't think they're going to play themselves out of the lottery. I think getting into that into the play, they would have to be in the playoffs. I don't. I know the East is bad, and I know they're clicking on all cylinders. But I think you kind of touched on it. This is the right time for them to be peaking before they kind of regress back to what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think they'll end up. I, I think they might play themselves out of a top three pick, which would suck. Um, but I, I think you'll still see them picking around, you know, three, four, or five. I think they're going to be pretty bad. And with the NBA, with the way the NBA brings the lottery, if the Bulls are floating around around there, they might be given that top pick because they're the Bulls are a type of franchise that the NBA likes to see being pretty good. So who knows? Maybe the Bulls will have a chance. Matt, are you suggesting collusion of, or some sort of lottery fix? No, I'm suggesting that the Bulls getting Derrick Rose with the number one pick with a 1.7 percent chance of <laughs> getting that pick was completely by luck. That's what are I'm you suggesting. suggesting a cold envelope or a, a heavy, a heavier or lighter ping pong ball? Is that no, I'm, su- I'm suggesting Cleveland winning the lottery the year after losing LeBron to get Kyrie <laughs> was not at all just a sorry for your loss type deal. So all we need is another world beater from Chicago to come into the draft and we'll be just fine. Exactly. Then cool. the Bulls will be back. <laughs> Hit me. All right. It's the holiday season. I know you have a similar one here, Joe, but uh, – mm-hmm. Buy or sell eggnog. It's a drink that only comes around really in the holiday season. You never really hear anything of it other than that. But buy or sell it. I'm I'm buying big time on eggnog. And I'm not buying store-bought, cartoned, non-alcoholic eggnog. I'm buying (laughs) Uncle Daryl's eggnog. I have an uncle who makes an eggnog. You have two glasses of it, and it is a Merry Christmas. It is good stuff. I know it's 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 predominantly eggs, ice cream, and I think bourbon is the main alcohol. Do me do me a favor. 
uh-huh. at your Christmas party? Why don't you package up a little bit? A little bit. It doesn't. That in, it doesn't keep me? well. It doesn't keep well. He. It's actually served in a massive punch bowl that sat on a huge bed of ice. So you got to keep that real cold, Matt. You have the invite. Uh, it's going to be. Glenn, it's a Glen Ellen Christmas. For, for the, the Tiberi side of the Musso family. So uh, you come by, we'll get you a little eggnog to go from, from Uncle Daryl. Well, if I'm, getting the, if I'm getting the eggnog, I probably shouldn't be, uh, be going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, we're going to need you. This eggnog, you need an Uber, and your Uber driver might need an Uber because just the smell of it on your, on your person <laughs> might, uh, might get someone drunk. But uh, I'm buying eggnog big time, Matt. I'm with you. I don't have it too often, but when I the times I've had it, it it's very good. Oberweiss actually does an eggnog ice cream around the around the holidays. Oberweiss's whole milk is practically eggnog. It is. It's fantastic. Everything <laughs> about that place is great. All right, Matt. Well, on a similar note, buy or sell. Here's one I think that uh, is a little might be a little more fringe in terms of uh, in terms of the the acceptance. Buy or sell gingerbread. I'm gonna buy it. Um, gingerbread cookies around the holidays. I, I'm not. It's, it's not something I'm eating all the time, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of it. I can't eat a ton of it, you know, all at once because the that flavor too much of it gets to be a little much. But you know, the, the gingerbread cook, Christmas cookies sitting around the house. I'm, I'm a big fan of. I'm selling gingerbread. I am a cookie fiend, and Christmas is cookie season for me. And you, you go out there. I can fill a plate with cookies. You give me some milk. If you, if you like Christmas cookies, you've got to come by the Rooney House. Oh, just there's nothing like a cookie exchange. And then you end up with a beautiful mixture of cookies. I'm skipping on the gingerbread because I have to be smart with. That's fair. Have, I'll give you that. It's I'm not the have, best cookie. If I'm going to have a 10-cookie, 15-cookie breakdown, I don't have room for a gingerbread. That's fair. I can, so I'll that's give you why. that one. I, I'm selling on gingerbread. So you, I, I'll come over to your place, get some eggnog. Why don't you come over to mine? We, we can, and I'll be so cookies. We, we can get you some Perfect. of the, the Rooney family Christmas cookies. They're all fantastic. Um, Perfect. I, I think this is going to be a nice little holiday. Uh, I'm going to get you. I'm going to hit you with a bonus buy or sell here, Matt. And it's more of an ask. I know. Wow. Uh, I know the Rooneys have have some pull uh, over over in Friar Nation. So a little bit. Buy or sell. You can get number six retired in football and number five retired in baseball for me. I want two numbers retired after seeing Kobe's ceremony last night. I can, I, I can see what I can do. I know, I know Trish Liston, shout out to Trish Liston. She's having her, her Jersey retired. I saw uh, that's uh, early, early in the 2018. Awesome. Yeah, they're doing, I think they're doing her, Trish, her, Devereaux, Devereaux Peters and, and Aaron, uh, Powers, Aaron Powers, yeah. I believe are getting there all very, very, very deserving. Not that I would have, not that I'm deserving at all, but it's it's no, just an not. ask. It's just an ask. So buy or sell on that. If we're getting can, six, and if we're getting if we're getting your two numbers, we're also going to need 23 in baseball and, and 50 in football. Go up in the rafters. As well. I'm, I'm not doing this without myself. With just the big cat under it. Hey, who knows? Maybe we hit we hit Moose and Runes big enough. Maybe we That's, can kind of yeah. like, hey, we'll, we'll throw a you little, a little retro make enough money out of this. We'll make a nice a little, little uh, right over a nice little check to Fenwick High School. You throw numbers yeah, a little, up in the rafters. A little, uh, little retroactive uh, on-field respect. I think that's our best shot, man. Yeah, I, I think Dave Hogan would love to see my number retired. Probably say I'm very uh, deserving of it. <laughs> he'll, and he'll be there to see it. That's one thing you can guarantee. Oh, he will be there to see it. Well, Moose and Roots listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Moose and Roots podcast. This, the sweetness episode, episode 34. Joe, before I shut this down, we, we you if, uh, we've missed this the last two weeks, and we both acknowledged it on Twitter, forgot to bring it up. Got to give a big congratulations, hats off, round of applause to Brian Rooney. Knocking in the ace at number three at Chambers oh, yeah. Bay a couple weeks ago. Oh yeah, tournament Bra- tournament level golf from a tournament level guy. Brian he, he, Joe, he he sent me this video. I, I, he was called me the day before saying, "Hey, I'm going out to Chambers Bay." Like, kind of talked about it for five, for five minutes, whatever it was. Like, hey, you know, send me some pictures, send me some Snapchats. Can't wait mm-hmm. to see what it's like out there, even this time of year when the weather's not going to be great. He's like, "Yeah, absolutely." So I got a text from him at like you know two o'clock or whatever it was. And it's like a texted video. I was like, I'm not going to watch a two-minute video. Why didn't you just send me a snap, whatever? So I just I didn't watch it. <laughs> he, he, he texted me like the next day or that night, whatever it was. And like, hey, did you watch that video yet? It was like, uh, yeah, look, looks great, Brian. No, no I didn't, didn't know what's going crap. on. Was like, I didn't find out till the next day that he got the ace. And I was like, holy hell, that's awesome. But yeah. he, he walked up, you know, picked. I wish I could have seen the shot, but I didn't. He said it was uh, – Hit it, and he, he was able to see it roll in, so kind of knew it was in by the time he was walking up. So that's that's a nice probably, way to. Uh, he probably thinned it right at the pin or something like that. <laughs> uh, nonetheless, it rolled it short and just kind of rolled it right up in there. 
a major congrats, a moment in time there for Brian Rooney, a faithful listener of the Moose and Runes podcast. Like we said, we appreciate you guys, Brian, and everyone else who listens to this podcast. You guys are the reason that we continue to do this. Continue to send us your mailbag questions. We'll, we'll sneak those in and uh, get your money ready because next week we got the Moose and Runes pick them special coming your way. You could fade us. You can ride with us. If whatever there's you anything do. we do well, it's pick football games. That That's absolutely wrong. And Matt, uh, why don't you shut us down? Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. Okay, I, I touched on this a little bit uh, when we talked about Blackhawks. I'm going to make this one pretty short, but I've done this three or four times this year, and I think it's it's about time for me to do it again. Corey Crawford um, is the most underrated player in Chicago sports right now, maybe the most underrated player in the history of Chicago sports, in my opinion. But what he's doing yet again this year with a team that isn't all that great yet that is very young that is relying on him to carry the load he's absolutely doing so in this five game win streak since he returned from injury he is 5-0-0 with a 0.954 save percentage allowing just 1.4 goals per game which is good enough for the league lead in in both save percentage and goals against average he is the league leader in save percentage and goals against average. He's actually trailing a, a backup on the Sharks who's played a few games, but not quite starter level. So I'm going to call Corey Crawford the leader. Not quite leading in wins yet, but that's because Tampa Bay is just the best team in hockey right now, and they're winning uh, just about every time they head out. But Corey Crawford, again, needs more respect. He needs the praise that he deserves. He, he is the Vezina Trophy frontrunner right now, and if he's not, something's wrong with the people voting um he, he's even in my opinion playing himself into heart consideration uh, so I, I just wanted to take some time again and i'm probably going to do this at some point again three or four more times <laughs> throughout the year because he deserves it he's earned it um let's start giving Corey crawford the praise he deserves he's most likely a guy who's going to have his number hanging with uh with 1988 to one all those numbers that are up in the rafters are going to be up in there and uh let's 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 realize how good we have it right now and that six-year 36 million dollar contract that he signed a couple years ago that everybody said was awful actually looks like a steal right now so uh Corey crawford for the vesna for the mvp for the best goalie in hockey that's my spiel Corey crawford for president i 2020 i'd take him he's canadian though so that might be a problem yeah i guess that, that might be a little little hiccup in there you're right he's also not yet 35 when you got uh, that's another hiccup when you got a goal you got a chance and uh, I like the Blackhawks chances Matt thank you as always and thank you to the Moose and Runes listeners for turning in tuning in to this episode 34 the sweetness episode of the pod make sure to tune in a week from today for the Moose and Runes pick'em special we'll have all of the hot picks the uh, sure things and the fades that you're going to want for the New Year Six Bowl games there's also a round of golf on the line so if nothing else, listen to me and Runes argue. Have, have we decided where that round of golf is going to be yet? Uh, we have not, but uh, we can put a monetary cap on it and then go from there. I was going to uh, say, if we're going to do this thing, let's just let's let's go all the way. I'll send it out west. Should we send it out west, Matt? Well, I was, I was going to say, you, you got so mad at me for Aaron Hills last year. Yeah, yeah. So That's we're, one it's going to be a it's going to be a a top tier course. We're going to yeah. make a count. We're going to yeah. make a count. There's no doubt there, Matt. All right. Well, thank you to the Moose and Roos listeners. As always, that's going to do it for episode 34. Keep on listening, keep on tweeting, and keep on keeping on. God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.